0: Now that the trivial Super Bowl is over, we can get back to what we really want to talk about, and that's college football recruiting.
1: Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Battle. Luke Robinson, this is me. Jimmy Stein, this is him. Jimmy, how are you today?
1: Good for someone that doesn't have arms. Have you that been, is true. It could, that, could be better for you. Uh, I want to thank, mm. thank you for making this your first listen. freaking me
0: out. Thank you for making this your first listen. Jimmy is uh, armless, and that's okay uh, because he's not a wide receiver or a quarterback. I'll tell you who is a quarterback and that's Aaron Noland, who is one of Alabama's top targets at quarterback for 2024. Uh this is a kid that really I've heard his name associated with Auburn a lot uh, in the past and haven't heard his name associated with Alabama a ton on the On3 consensus. He's the number 164 player in the country, number 12 quarterback and On3 has him as number 5, excuse me, number 95 quarterback and number 8 or number 95 national, number eight quarterback, Lord. Um, he's looking at Alabama, Ole Miss, UCF, Miami, Texas A&M. Uh, I think Auburn has cooled now that they've got uh, Walker White from Arkansas. And I just think maybe for whatever reason, maybe the Hugh Freeze's staff wasn't quite as high on him. But I know he's a good player. He's a lefty, which is interesting. He's 6'2", 190 from Langston Hughes High School in Fairburn, Georgia. And he also has a teammate. That is a uh, safety in Jacob Good, and that is spelled G-U-D-E, which is very odd, but okay, I'll take it. And um, he's not super highly rated yet, but we think he's going to get a pretty big bump. So, Jimmy, what do you think about these two guys, and how would it affect Julian Salen, who Alabama already has committed as a quarterback from California?
1: Yeah, it doesn't really, I don't think, affect the Julian sand uh, recruitment at all. Um, look, um, this is – There's a lot of changes in college football. I mean, a lot of changes. And I I think most of us, most of the people listening to the show, been following college football and college football recruiting for a long time, certainly before all these changes. By changes, I mean NIL and the transfer portal and realignment and all this stuff. But uh, but what I mean is we have to change the way we view recruiting and and, and the methodology and the whole philosophy behind it. And the fact of the matter is, you know, for years, you would just sign one quarterback in a class – I mean, that was kind of the idea, right? Every year you sign one, and that way you always have four or five, which is the ideal number. And, and you know, most quarterbacks want, want just one quarterback in the class, and they can kind of be the guy uh, that's in their class. But times have changed with this transfer portal and the number of players that leave. Sometimes you have to sign more than one, depending on what's going on inside your program. And, and secondly, uh, with NIL, maybe Julian Sand is committed to us you know, every day for a year and he loves us so much and he can't wait to get here. And then 12 hours before he, you know, signs, someone shows up with the, the Rashada deal, $13 million, and he signs somewhere else. So you've got to recruit more quarterbacks than you did in the past. You have to be prepared to sign multiple quarterbacks in one class. There's also this Half the quarterbacks you sign in the future are probably going to be kids out of the portal, might be best to have good relationships with everybody to recruit out of the portal two or three years from now. So really everything about recruiting and quarterback recruiting in particular has changed. So I think Alabama loves Julian Sand. I think they would love that Sand is the only quarterback in this class, but there's no 100% guarantee that Sand is going to sign with Alabama. So you better cast a pretty wide net i'm not even saying aaron noland is a backup plan to say i'm saying you might sign aaron, aaron nolan along with saying but you you'd certainly don't recruit him like he's uh the second pick or the backup pick you recruit him and recruiting all the way up until you're ready to say hey we we, we would like you to commit to us maybe that never happens but i'm sure that's the, the relationship with aaron nolan uh jacob good is a guy alabama likes a ton by the way uh, you know, recruiting rankings, I, I beg people this to no avail every year, but don't get too obsessed with where kids are ranked today, even in the too so much evaluation left to be done. There's so many more offers. We haven't even got to the spring evaluation period where coaches hit the road, really spending a lot of time evaluating these 2024 guys. Don't get too caught up in rankings right now use them as sort of a guide and not a definitive statement because they're not using, look, look, we're, we're 10 months away from, from these kids signing 10 months. So 10 months before the NFL draft, is that a good time for Mel Kiper and Tom McShay to say, these are the final grades. This is it. This is it. Don't, don't, don't come looking anymore uh, before April because these are the final grades. No, they, they keep evaluating guys and re-ranking and doing mock drafts all the way up till a week before the draft. Signing day is the same thing. I mean, it's 10 months away. There's, there's a, and, and younger kids change more than the older kids do. That younger kid, I've seen them be just completely different kids in two months, um, two wrapped up in the rankings. Now, that said, Alabama likes Good a lot. He's probably been in their camp as a young player uh, Alabama offered before a lot of other power programs did. Uh, I know this kid's tight with uh, Brian Branch. Uh, ironically, being that he's a safety from Georgia, just like Branch. Uh, he's a real interesting kid. Uh, my feeling is, based on how early things are, I'd be surprised if Alabama's pushing for a commitment already. Uh, really, the only kids today that Alabama wants to push for a commitment are, are slam-dunk, obvious, oh, you got to take this guy while you have the opportunity. to. Uh, there's no reason to be uh, stretching for kids now. Again, you haven't even had your June camp, your – Spring evaluation period. So Alabama is still building its board, building confidence in the board, gathering information. And of course, the staff, good chance they're meeting today, Monday, uh, as we record this, good chance the staff's meeting today. And they're 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 probably mostly talking about spring practice, which is going to start really uh, four weeks. I mean, one month from uh, from this week. So I mean spring practice gonna be here really soon. I'm super excited about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, that's that is the good news, right? I mean, there's there's just not a ton of an offseason anymore. And it, it has it has been better because number one, recruiting's always been awesome. Uh, so that certainly has helped. Football's been great, which is help, but now basketball's really good too. Uh the the gymnastics team, we don't we don't talk a ton about them or baseball unless they do something good, but hey. You know, there's always something going on at the university, which is a big positive. Let me tell everybody about Biltmore. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, and you gotta try Biltmore. They're awesome. Go try one. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit better. I don't exactly always meet that goal, but one thing that does help me meet that goal is eating Biltmore bars because they're so doggone good and they're so easy, and you can get them at same. Saint- you can get them at walmart you can get them on amazon. you can get them at built.com wherever you want to get delicious nutritious awesomeness you can probably get a built bar um you don't even have to go to built.com anymore if you don't want to or amazon again you can just go to walmart sam's whatever they come in all these cool flavors like churro or peanut butter brownie or coconut almond the, the, those things sound like things you get in the impulse aisle at a convenience store and you're like oh this has got to be awful for." no it's fantastic for you and it's delicious it's like somebody said, oh, gosh, I wish I could have a Mounds bar, but they make me fat. Oh, here's one that doesn't make you fat. It makes you, it's even healthy and it's awesome and it's even better. And here you go. And you go, oh, my God, marry me. That's what happened. Built bar, the bar that gets you hitched. That's that's not on the tagline. I just made that. <laughs> I like it though. Uh, anywho. Want to tell everybody to check out Locked On College Basketball. A lot of stuff going on in basketball. will be a lot of bracketology out today. So, uh, go check that out, Locked On College Basketball. So, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit more recruiting here. Um, K.J. Lacey was yep. at this event. Uh, K.J. Lacey is teammates with Ryan Williams. Um, I think K.J. KJ Lacey is awesome. Again, state champion this year with Sarah Land. Um, of course, Ryan Williams was the show. We all know this, but that's okay. Um, it, there is a certain rapport that is developed between these two guys who are in the exact same class uh, KJ Lacey, a 2025 20, guy, and um, Sarah Land uh, is, is where they play. And so they play a lot of really good competition if you're unfamiliar with Alabama High School. He's six feet 165 right now. I know that sounds a little bit light. Again, he's just ending his sophomore year. So be patient a little bit with that. He's certainly going to grow. And he loved the fact that he got this uh, Alabama offer. I feel like he's probably, it sounds like he's an Alabama fan at least. And um, he likes the Tommy Reese hire, the new offensive coordinator. So I think that's awesome. Uh, He wants to visit a lot of places. Tennessee, AM, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, Ohio State, USC. He, he certainly, and look, all those are places that, like, if I were being recruited, that's where I'd want to go. So I, I don't take, like, oh my God, it's going to be such a battle for him. I think it will be a battle, but not, not like a just all out bloodbath. So I feel like Alabama wants KJ Lacey, they, they'll have a good shot at him. And the fact that he has a relationship with Ryan Williams cannot hurt, right?
1: yeah um i don't think uh there will ever be an issue um and i know kj a little bit he's a qb country kid uh so uh you know i'm, I'm really familiar with him he's also originally he's from daphne you know where's where i'm from and so bet- between kj being a qb country kid and from daphne and he, he later moved transferred uh you know and moved across the bay and, and to, to play for you know at saraland um you know I. I there, there should never be an Alabama fan that wonders what K.J. Lacey's favorite program is. I mean, I think it's been obvious from his public comments, from the very fact that he wears jersey number nine when he plays for Sarah Lamb because he's such a Bryce Young fan. Uh, he, he, That's a public uh, thing that he's acknowledged. I wear number nine because I love Bryce. Uh, so, so K.J. Is, is a big Alabama fan. Um, or an Alabama fan. But look, these kids make business decisions, and, and I used to call them business decisions before NIL. Now with NIL, it's a literal business decision. Uh, but KJ is going to go wherever KJ and his people determine his best. KJ has a career. Our, our, our careers in football is being a fan of a certain school. He, he have a literal career. So they, they has, he has to pick the right offense for him. He has to pick the coach that he feels Will develop possible. I'm sure KJ has NFL dreams, and even though he's a little guy, he 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 has that sort of upside, that sort of ability. So we'll see what happens when it comes to him choosing the college. He's got to do what's best for him, but I know he's going to give Alabama a long listen. Uh, his, his one of his best pals is Ryan Williams, who will almost be certainly playing at Alabama. There are other Saraland kids in his class that may end up being Alabama priorities. Uh, a little running back, Santay McWilliams, offered by Michigan in the ninth grade. Uh, Antonio Coleman is my favorite over at Sarah Land in that class and had not gotten a lot of attention yet. He's a 6'2", 265-pound, 10th-grade defensive tackle that was starting in the ninth grade there. Uh, he's fantastic. Another wide receiver. Let, let me stop goal. you there.
0: Let me stop you. Antonio Coleman, yep. is he any relation to the Antonio Coleman that played for Auburn many moons ago?
1: Yeah, he's not. Uh I and I, I knew him when I first saw Antonio play and heard his name, I believe so. I even asked uh, you know, to be honest, I asked Sherman Williams. say <laughs> hey, Sherman is uh you know so so Sherman is who I asked. Wait, wait a minute. You have Just done name so goes. much I'm, I'm You've name done so much
0: wrong in this. You you is he related to Antonio Coleman you go no he's not and then you <laughs> yeah. said I asked Sherman Williams and you know the tagline for Sherwin Williams now is ask Sherwin Williams and I know this because <laughs> we do a Sherwin Williams lot there was so much wrong with what you did and that so, was, so much that free was. advertising I'm going to have to send a bill to Sherwin Williams now
1: <laughs> well Sherman tells but me that they're not related Sherman tells me that they're not related but uh Coleman is a great, great prospect. Like I said, 6'2", 265. He's now for the first time. Of course, he just completed the 10th grade. He's now racking up some power five offers. And I think that's going to be another kid. Alabama takes a long look at Hill, who's a wide receiver at Sarah Land, opposite Ryan Williams. Really good player, totally overshadowed by Ryan. But C.D. Gill is, is, is probably an SEC-level player, certainly uh, an FBS player. So all these kids are at Sarah Land. They're all in the same grade Uh I think, you know, they could all end up together somewhere. Alabama would be a a, a location they would obviously all seriously consider. Unbelievable group over there. But KJ, another good weekend for him. He will be a national elite player despite his size. And look, I think some of it's the number nine on his jersey. Most of it is his size. And some of it is just literally the point guard skill set. He's also like Bryce, Luke. This is funny, too. He's a really good athlete. He doesn't like to run the ball. He doesn't like to run. He he does it just exactly as Bryce said. K.J. doesn't want to be pigeonholed as an athlete who happens to play quarterback. He wants to be quarterback, period. He doesn't like to run, but he's a heck of an athlete, just like Bryce. If K.J. just wanted to run all the time, he'd be running for 100 yards a week. I mean, he's he's a, a really good athlete who doesn't run. He has incredible arm strength. He can throw the ball from multiple arm angles. Uh, he's a leader. Uh, he's charismatic, just like Bryce. He kind of carries himself like, wow, the first when you see KJ in person, you're like, he's a star. That kid's a star. Uh, so uh, I, I love him. I hope he ends up at Alabama selfishly, but also, you know, want KJ because he's one of our kids at QBC. I, I, I want KJ to end up at a place that helps KJ the most. Hopefully, that ends up being Alabama.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm very pro-KJ Lacey being on this team, too. And, again, I, I'm going to keep coming back to this. Um, feel sort of the same way about Ladarius Philon. I know that uh, the basketball player just recently committed to Auburn. It, you know, I know that there's at least talk, and I have reason to believe Alabama didn't pursue maybe quite as heavily as Auburn did. I don't know that he would have chosen Alabama anyway. He might have want, just wanted to go to Auburn. But I'm very, very – Pro, let's get back in this Alabama, keeping Alabama kids in Alabama train because when Saban leaves, I don't want to be facing this incredible uphill battle about right. trying to get back into high schools. That's what that's what worries me. But, um, Jimmy, now I want to tell everybody about FanDuel. Look, yesterday FanDuel uh, did, had a lot of great promotions on the Super Bowl, and uh, it, it they really were out there a lot commercial-wise. I thought it was cool. But now we're of the NBA season, and uh, it's a perfect time to download FanDuel. If it's America's number one sports book, so why wouldn't you download it? Because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your bet doesn't win. Say that three times real fast. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. It really is super easy to use. Build and discuss, you know, or, or excuse me, build your FanDuel account, and then you can discuss about how much money you've made after you've done all that. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. I mean, that's what some of that micro-betting stuff that a lot of people are into right now. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com. That's FanDuel.com. To learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel. They're the official sports betting partner of the NFA and NBA. Noticed I said NFA, whatever the heck that is. But the N- NBA, they are the official sports betting partner. I'm sorry, sports betting partner. If I knew how to edit this, I would. I don't. It should make it more memorable. Please don't fire me, Tegna. Um, but they are also the official sports betting partner of the NFL as well. So the NFL and the NBA? That should tell you how good FanDuel is. Go check out fanduel.com slash locked on. Go do it right now. Jimmy, you know, it would be crazy for us not to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl from yesterday. I do find it – I do find the irony in the fact that uh, I tweeted out a video of Andy Burcham from the Auburn Radio Network really – Losing his mind a couple of times about some officiating in the Alabama-Auburn game, which really just wasn't that poorly officiated. It just wasn't. It was fine. Um, he was losing his mind about it, and a lot of, a lot of, it got a lot of traction. I mean, my tweets normally don't get a lot of traction because I'm not very intelligent, but this one was just funny, <laughs> and um, it got a lot of traction. And then, so all this talk about officiating in, you know, the Iron Bowl of basketball which is a game on the surface that doesn't mean a ton. It means a ton to you and me and people who listen to this and Auburn fans or whatever. It means a ton to them. But, like, the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a ton. The Super Bowl officiating means everything. Like, it's more important than Chinese weather balloons flying over Lake Huron. It is a big deal. Like, you got to be it's, – it's a big deal, right? So, I – I just don't know how we don't discuss the the fact that there, a late call is really what won the Super Bowl for Kansas City again the letter of the law I think the call is right the um the 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 guy who committed the the penalty the holding defensive holding penalty for the Eagles he even said yeah I held him I hope, he, hope I wish they hadn't seen it but I can't help but be disappointed that the call was made, number one, because we've certainly seen worse calls. And number two, because that game was so awesome, and to have it end, it, it was it was over when that call was made. It was essentially over. Yes, some things could have happened. He could have missed the field goal. Uh, I think it was Jarek McK- McKinnon that he could have scored a touchdown and maybe given the Eagles a chance um, and say so he did the right thing by sli- sliding down and letting the clock run down to as low as it could, then they kicked the field goal. Um, but man, I just hate that, that that Super Bowl ends that way. And again, the more I think about it and the more I'm trying to be pro-referee, like, hey, you gotta call what you see. You know, if you if you saw it, you gotta call it. You can't be like, what if it was? I mean, if he had tugged it a little more, you'd call it, and if he tugged it a little less, you wouldn't call it. I mean, if it's in the rules, I guess you gotta call it if you see it. But man, it really was a downer that because it was set up, if he doesn't make that call, right, they got to go with like a minute and 30 left. Jalen gets the ball back with Devontae and A.J. And uh, and they have a shot to make this one of the more classic Super Bowls in history. Instead, they get the automatic first down, and they essentially just get to run the clock out. And and then an NFL kick, kickers who are very, very good at their jobs, he's not going to miss a 17-yarder or 19-yarder, whatever the heck it was. And – they win the game and you just hate to see it in that way. Right. I mean, again, you can't really yell at the ref, even though if I were that official, I wouldn't go to Philadelphia in my lifetime. I wouldn't eat a Philly cheesesteak from any location. I wouldn't uh, get Eagles of any description anywhere ever. I wouldn't get near the <laughs> color green. There are a lot of things I'd stay away from if I were that dude.
1: Yeah. He's probably not too popular, but the fact that like, you know, you, you, you described it well. I mean, it, it was a penalty. It, it wasn't like there's a difference between a phantom call. That, that phantom calls are the worst to me. That that that's what gets me. I will lose sleep. I will rant. I'll go. Nut. Phantom call, official call, throws a penalty and calls a flag and calls a certain penalty, but it did not happen. Replay show that wasn't holding or that wasn't pass interference. You're seeing something. That did not happen. There was no contact there at all, and yet you threw a flag? I mean, those are the worst. This this isn't the worst. This is a different kind of what I would call bad call. It's a different kind. It's It's more philosophical, and that's this. I think the best officials in the world, not high school officials, the best officials in the world need to be situationally aware. I think the call lacked. Situational awareness. And by that I mean, okay, here, here's another good, what about holds on the backside of plays? It's situational awareness. Yes, the offensive lineman held the defensive lineman. In no way did it affect the play whatsoever because they ran it to the other side. That guy wasn't going to make the play 40 yards away. No one cared. Was it holding? Well, yeah, it was holding. Did it affect the game in any way? No. Therefore, those flags really shouldn't be thrown for lack of situational awareness. And I think that's where that call was bad. Uh, You know, we're deciding the Super Bowl here. Let Mahomes, let Jalen Hurts, let, uh, you know, the, the players on the field decide the outcome of the game, not the officials. Now that doesn't mean that you just put your hey there's less than two minutes left. Everyone just just bury your flag deep in your pants because we're not pulling flag, we're not throwing flags the last two minutes. That's not what I mean at all. You've got to throw but I, I think the standard Luke should go from hey was that a factor of the law to we are throwing flags for train wrecks only. Things that are so obvious, the proverbial Ray Charles could see it. You know, things that are just blatantly bad that affect the outcome of the game that is definitely a penalty. Uh, I, I feel the same way in college basketball, Luke. I mean, when there's, when there's 30 seconds left and, and, and your offense is, is trying, has to make a bucket to win the game and there's 30 seconds left, I'm not for officials taking off their whistles, but you only blow it if there is a foul that 15,000 people in the arena saw. You know, I mean, just let the players decide the game when it comes down time for the players to decide who wins the game.
0: And I think most everybody subscribes to that line of thinking, and and I do. But I'll also say this as an official – if I, I'm not an official, but if I were, my, my counter argument would be so what you're saying is a foul in the first quarter may not be a foul in the fourth quarter. And that's oh, really hard to yeah. judge.
1: And that is what that is what I'm saying. And yes, it's hard to judge. The whole game's hard to judge. That's why people should really rarely get on officials. They have an impossible job. And I'm not on that guy. I don't think he failed the sport or failed the game. He called a hold that was a hold. He's right. He, that was a foul. Bradbury admitted it. It's a foul. I'm just saying, let's just have this meeting and, and reemphasize to officials in college and pros situational awareness. Not every flag needs to be thrown like the backside holding plates.
0: You know, I think I could buy your argument a little bit more if you could be animated with your arms, which you clearly did not bring with you to this podcast today. The
1: funny part about that is why y'all can't see my arms because I show up really well on the crazy (laughs) video screen. But the funny thing is, I was sort of ranting about that. My arms were flailing, like, see, sort of, I was going (laughs) all. You can see your hands. You're high. That's
0: true. So, anyway, all right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We will be back tomorrow with more Locked On by My Goodness. And until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.